Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Welcome back, guys, to the RUF Boston University podcast. This is a special episode. I have here Serena Jones and Chet Bickhart, who you know very well. Serena and Chet, welcome. Thanks. Hey, Nathan. Thanks so much for having us. Awesome. Well, the three of us get to hang out quite a bit uh, over Zoom now with staff meetings, with um, other meetings and stuff. So, um, yeah, but sometimes we do silly things like talk about bird sounds and what sound an ostrich makes. What What were you saying an ostrich makes, uh, Serena? What's the sound? <laughs> Probably something like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very okay. Good. Probably a little more, more yeah. guttural. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more guttural. Um, yeah, anyway, but we also have serious discussions, very serious discussions, um, and silly discussions. Uh, but one of them that we had yesterday, actually, was about what it's like to move back in with your family and uh, what it means to, to live biblically in that time. Uh, right now, we're in a strange time for everyone. Uh, you guys have been kicked off campus and uh, everybody has been forced to, to be off campus, uh, to move back in with their family, uh, to stay at home. And so it's an interesting situation. Uh, you were on your own, you're eating your own food, you're on your own schedule, and now you're back in your parents' home and you eat their food and you're on their schedule. And obviously, there are a lot of uh, challenges that can arise uh, with that. So we want to talk a little bit about that, whether you're dealing with um, your parents, siblings, roommates, whatever situation you find yourself in, uh, it's always a good opportunity to learn how to love each other. Um, I actually had this experience uh, after graduating from college, I moved back in with my parents because I was let go from my job after the 2008 uh, financial collapse. And it was weird uh, staying in my bedroom that I had lived in in high school and all of the, you know, old stuff in there. Um, so I've, I've been there before. I know a little bit about what's that, what that like, what that is like, but uh, Chen, Serena, what are your situations currently? What has it been like? Um, to be back at home or in a different place. Yeah, sure, Nathan. I uh, I was traveling a little bit before uh, getting back here. I had plans to move back up to Boston with my housemates and the, the house that I'm living in up there. But with all of this hoopla happening, I ended my trip short in Philadelphia where I was born and raised and now I'm living with both of my parents and my sister uh, just outside of the city. Very nice. Cool, so back home. What about you, Serena? Um, I, so yeah, I also drove back down to Pennsylvania a few weeks ago, um, but I'm actually living with my brother and his wife, um, and my parents are about an hour away from me, so I'm not actually in my childhood home, but I am with my younger brother, who is pretty close in age to me, so still with, still with siblings. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Um yeah, and it's always a good time. I was, I think I was saying this yesterday, like um, most of us will get married and most of us will have to learn what it means to live with a roommate um, for the rest of our lives, probably. 
Um, and so it's a good time to learn how to deal with yourself and deal with um, other people, um, little habits. So what we want to do is we want to talk about what the Bible says about this stuff, um, what it says about um, loving and respecting and honoring your parents. Uh, we also want to talk about some practical like tips, suggestions that we found uh, helpful. Um, and I think boiling it all down, uh, we want to talk about what is it like to resist selfishness and just kind of living for yourself uh, and seeking to engage uh, the people you're living with, with love and honor and respect like Christ would. So um, why don't we start by talking about parents uh, specifically, but maybe just family in general. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians, it reminds us of the commandment in Exodus, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And quoting uh, the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that may you, live, you may live long in the land. So this is interesting. Uh, what do you guys think about this in terms of obey, right? I mean, as kids, we're taught to obey our parents, but it also says honor. So as an adult, you've lived, you're moving back in with your parents. Are you supposed to obey everything that they say? Um, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting that it says, like, children obey, um, but then in the commandment, it's not necessarily talking just to children, um, but to anyone who has a parent. This is, like, honor. And so, to me, honor, honor really connotates, like, like respect. And you can, like, when you're a child, you can respect your parent. You are to respect your parent by obeying them because they truly, like most of the time, if they're good parents, they should know what's best and they should want you to do what is good for you. And, and yet then, then we turn 18 or we go to college or we graduate from college and we are adults. <laughs> and I think it does change a little bit, but like that respect, that honor component is still there. It's in the 10 commandments that were written in stone, right? <laughs> it's like, it's meant to be continued. Um, but it's definitely a tricky, tricky thing to figure out exactly how to relate to your parents in a respectful way. Yeah, Serena, I just jumping off of that point that you just made, I think, uh, at least for me, one thing I really experienced a lot is when I got back with my parents um, was just this loss of independence almost kind of feeling like back when I was in high school, when I was still living under the same roof, I was living by their rules. And then I went off to college, like you were saying, and now post-college. So it's been six years where, well, gosh, I've been living by my own rules. And it is an exciting time to be in. You learn a lot through experience. And then to be thrown back in this position where you almost feel like, gosh, my parents are you know, they're still asking me all of these questions, um, like, well, not where you're going tonight, obviously, I'm going to the living room. <laughs> um, but but more like, what, what does that mean to continue to obey them? And and stuff? Uh, I, I think it's important. And I think you're good. You, you had a good word on that, that it that that 
obeying can transition into respecting and honoring them. Uh, especially coming back and recognizing that, hey, I actually do have some life experience now. Granted, not nearly as much as they might have, um, but there might be some ways that I can talk to them more as friends uh, and respect and see them as other human beings rather than these two people that were always giving, giving and supporting me. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true though? Like we don't often think of our parents as like other human beings. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We think of them as like the people that take care of us or the people that are always telling us to do stuff. But like yeah. they're people too. They've had life experience just like we are having it. Um, That's right. We, we forget that. <laughs> yeah. And some of us might be in situations where you're, you're living with a parent that doesn't share your faith. Uh, you you believe in God. You you know want to be loyal to what He says and what He commands. But uh, your parents may not share that. And I think this idea of honoring and respecting can still come into play. In uh, in Proverbs, it talks about both your father and your mother having wisdom. Uh, Proverbs twenty three says, "Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old." And then in Proverbs 1, 8 through 9, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So I think what this says is, like, your parents have a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom uh, to offer you. And even when she is old, as it says, right, which means that you're an adult, that you can still glean something from them even though maybe you have kids of your own, even though maybe you're, you're independent and know how to do some, um, do most things on, on your own. Um, so I think there's an opportunity, right? I mean, Chet, you're living back with your parents to kind of continue to glean wisdom from them. Right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Nathan. Uh, and that's one of the really brilliant things I've ex begun to experience um, post-college and even more so now that I'm back living with them during this time. Uh, I've just, I've had these great experiences where we'll eat dinner and we'll sit around the dinner table after everything's gone and we'll just tell stories and we'll laugh for like an hour, maybe longer than an hour. Um, and I've grown in my relationship with my parents to this point where uh, I used to see them as people that would give to me and how oh, mom can I have the car and mom like you didn't buy my snacks at the grocery store and like all of these things people uh, people who would provide for me and now I've been able to see them like like we were sort of touching on earlier as real human beings mm. human beings with problems uh, people who have opinions on not only just how I ought to be living but how how um, like wisdom and opinions on how things are happening in the world and why they're happening in the world. They have, they have all of this wisdom on the books that they've read and the people that they've talked to and the life experience that they've had. And these are kind of things that we talk about over the dinner table. And I, I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to, to learn from their wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. And I remember, one of the turning points for me with my relationship with my dad was during that time when I was unemployed, living back at home in my twenties. And I just started to ask him advice and it, it transformed 
my relationship, you know, we always expect our parents to pursue us. Um, you know, like they're, they're going to be the ones that call, they're going to be, you know, the annoying, you know, just persistent ones in your life. But, um, at a certain point, at least with, in my experience, I started to call my dad and just say, Hey, like, not just like, how do I change my tire on my car? Right. But like, Hey, I have this weird situation with a friend or, you know, I don't know if I should date this girl, et cetera, et cetera, like deeper stuff. And it just made my dad, I think, just so happy. I could tell. And he was just so eager to kind of give, um, give wisdom and share it. But what about, so, so what about when we, when we disagree with them, when, when maybe they don't have, maybe they have a little bit of wisdom, but maybe there's a lot of the ways that they've lived their lives or the ways that they uh, choose to maybe practice their faith or, or maybe just live their lives that is really dissonant with your beliefs right. and, and your convictions. Um, yeah. W- what do we do with that? Yeah, Nathan, that's such a good point. I was I was going to say that next to you. I think, you know, oh, Chet, what a wonderful thing that you have two loving parents that you can go to and who you've had a great relationship with. I'm so grateful that you have that, Chet. Oh, whoop de do. Um, but I don't have that relationship with my parents. And Nathan, I think that's the sad truth about many people um, is that they don't have great relationships with their parents or maybe their parents aren't around anymore. Um, you know, I it's a sad truth to see the brokenness in this world where even some of us have grown up um, either abused by our parents uh, or, or just very torn and, and have bare scars from our relationships with them. And I think the, the wisdom that, you know, we, we might not be so quick to learn from them. (laughs) I might not want to uh, have those sort of conversations with my parents if I come back and, you know, they've hurt me in some serious ways that, that we're not reconciled with yet. Um, those are really real situations, very real situations. And I don't want to downplay those at all. I just think the opportunities we have from our parents begin to pivot if that's the situation. I, I think instead of sitting around the dinner table as the candle burns down laughing and telling stories um, and learning wisdom from them, instead of doing that, the opportunity then becomes, okay, how is Christ working in my heart right now in this very important relationship in my life? How can I begin to recognize so much of who I am is a result of these two people uh, and and how how is God maybe calling me to be reconciled with them? I know this is incredibly hard, and now we're living together, and we're sharing the same space. Heck, we're all using the same bathroom, and it's terrible. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think the opportunities begin to change when challenges like this come up, um, but that there are still wonderful opportunities nonetheless to continue to be sanctified in this moment. Uh, God. God chooses to uh, display part of his role to us, that father-like figure to us through our human fathers, our human parents, right? That part of our relationship with our human parents is a reflection of our relationship with our heavenly father. And I mean, we could talk for a long, long time on the importance 
of our relationship with our parents, um, if we find ourselves in situations where they're less than ideal, when they really aren't great, I think there are, like I said before, there, there are opportunities um, to, to really pray that God would reconcile us. There are opportunities mm. here to grow in, and, you know, and to uncover this dirtiness, right? And, and here's the thing too, and I'd be curious to hear your other thoughts on this too, but like, if you're entering into a situation where you haven't been reconciled with your parents, when you still like really don't like them, or there was something in your past that hasn't been brought up, that's been shoved down into this dark place where hopefully you can forget about it. Well, here's the thing. We know that that thing, whatever that might be, has had a major impact on who you are. Right. Right. In very subtle, small ways, but it, it has a big impact on how you make decisions and what your current relationships look like. And here's the other thing too. We know when it's tucked down there in the darkness, like God does not work in it then. It's when we bring it back up and like open it up into the sunlight that God begins working in it. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it, it's like, that reminds me, we just passed Easter and, um, and I forget the passage directly, but uh, it, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, I said that wrong, but whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. S-T-H-A. Yeah. 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 Um, and Jesus says, you know, it's like every day I, he was he's saying this to the Pharisees and the guards and Judas. He's like, every day I was with you in the temple and you did not do anything. But now you're, the hour has come in darkness like where you do your work, hmm. you know? And I think that relates to like, that can relate to our relationship with our parents. Sometimes it's like, if, if we have tried to hide and forget about how we might've been hurt by them um, in that darkness, that's where Satan enters in and just continues mm -hmm. to deceive us, continues to uh, use past pain and hurt to, to fuel pride and anger and mm. dissension in our family. And those are terrible things. Yeah. I don't want to live like that. And I don't think anyone would want to live like that. It's the moment we have this opportunity then in this challenging point that you have this opportunity to bring that up and uncover it, take it out of the darkness and let God work. In that. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, kind of what you're saying, Chad is like, this could be an opportunity to finally face some of these things, this, you know, maybe deep bitterness or resentment that you may have or um, right. something like that. Yeah. That's certainly the way it was for me. Um, so I had a rocky relationship with my dad for a period. And when I was living at my parents' house, I had the audacity to kind of confront my dad on some things. And you know, it's just a side note, it's kind of funny, like when you're back in your, your parents' house and maybe you're in the same bedroom, you know, the, the twin bed, right? You know, that maybe it's a bunk bed. I think for a while it was in a bunk bed, but um, you know, you have your Star Wars posters on the wall or band posters or whatever, and you feel like a teenager again. And the way you respond to your parents can be kind of like adolescent kind of yeah. teenager um, in that way. And there's definitely looking back, I can see how I was kind of falling back into kind of some adolescent or teenage rebellion kind of um, ways of communicating with, with my dad in particular. And um, 
I think of the the Proverbs that says, um, do not curse your parent, right? It says, do not curse your father and mother. Um, and it says, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Uh, so talk about darkness. That's uh, pretty dark. But um, I came so close to cursing uh, my dad, which I'm ashamed to say. Um, and And yet, because I'm an adult, I should confront what I think is wrong, right? So, so there has to be another way. There has to be another way to do it. It, it shouldn't be cursing. It shouldn't be like an adolescent teen. Uh, but yet we should have conversations. We shouldn't bury it like Chet is saying. We shouldn't just let it uh, be in the dark. So maybe when we do have disagreements or we do have ways that we want to confront things like what are some ways we should go about that? Maybe Serena, do you want to chime in? Um, yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of us, our first response is possibly to either avoid it or to enter into the fray with the with the fighting mentality, like you were saying, Nathan. Um, and I'm thinking back to like in Matthew, Jesus, I mean, this could apply to, to your adult children and, and parents as well as just friends. Um, or family members, but he talks about like the process that we go to, to try and seek, go through to try and seek reconciliation. Um, and, and how it's, it's one of, you're not only trying to prove yourself right, but you're trying to make the relationship right again. Mm-hmm. And it's not just to get back at the person. Like it's not from that heart's heart set <laughs> mindset but your heart yeah, yeah I like <laughs> um, that heart set it's not from that 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 heart set it's like you you truly want what is best for them and that can be so hard because we need to untangle our own pride and our own our own need of grace you know and, and in any conflict nobody is 100% faultless you know hmm. Um, my old campus minister teaches on this and he said that everyone in, in every conflict, you have to claim, like, even if you only have 1% of the fault, you need to claim your hundred percent of your 1%. And so coming in a way that it's, that's hum, humble mm-hmm. and grace filled and respect filled. And yet you're still saying, I, I think you're wrong. And I think that you need to apologize for this or, you know, however you word it. I, I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've ever done that with my parents. Um, but it's really hard that that could be needed in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if, if you genu- genuinely do have like something that you need to tell your parents, like, Hey, this is, this is not okay. You know, God doesn't, um, and in his word, he doesn't teach us that we shouldn't confront wrong, even with you know, those that we respect, those above us. Um, but there's a way that we do it that still respects God's order, um, and it helps them. First uh, Timothy 5, the beginning of that chapter says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. And I think that word encourage is so important um, because you're, you're showing deference, you're showing respect, and yet you're pointing them towards 
a standard right that's higher than them so you know if your parent is a christian and you see them doing something that's disobedient to god you know encourage them say hey dad mom like in the bible it says this god says this is the way we're supposed to live why are you living this way if your parent if your parent's not a christian um you're still calling to them to that standard, but maybe you're not appealing to that same authority. Maybe you're just saying like, Hey, I, I don't believe this is right. And it's also really hurting me and it's hurting other people around you. Um, and maybe you should think about the consequences of your actions. I don't want to make this seem like it's very easy <laughs> at all. Uh, it's probably going to involve a lot of tears um, and a lot of, um, encouragement and prayer from others if you realize like hey i need to i need to talk to my parent about this but covid-19 might be kind of pushing us towards these hard conversations that we may need to have yeah so i was uh, thinking about maybe another challenge that comes with living at home um it's just like having appropriate boundaries with parents not even necessarily things that are like bad yeah, that's great. Um, Let's just get practical. Yeah, what are some... Like, I, I just think of, like, like, what if your parents, you don't necessarily disagree with them or you don't necessarily have a bad relationship with them, but you can tell that, like, like they kind of hold you up on this high pedestal of, like, my child is the best. My child is fault, faultless. <laughs> like, that could, be, that could be a pressure on you, right? Like, if, if your parents have always held you to this perfectionistic standard and when you're away at school you can kind of have a little bit more of a holistic view but then when you are at home it's so hard to have those boundaries and to and to not just um put so much pressure on yourself um, i don't know there can be just challenges with with that or or challenges with parents um you feel like maybe not allowing you to have your own space not mm. physically necessarily but um realizing that okay you you are different than when you went off to college um i don't know like what do you guys think about that i think you're absolutely right serena i think <laughs> i've kind of experienced it in similar ways when i moved back here um just like small practical things like aren't necessarily bad but just like oh i tend to do things just a little bit different than, than how my dad does things. And yeah. it becomes ever obvious or present, you know, it's like, um, heaven forbid I load the dishwasher. My mother, no, 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 she has a very clear system on how the dishwasher is meant to be loaded. <laughs> and if I will do it wrong. And sure enough, when I go to put something else in there, I can see like my cups have been rearranged and it's like, okay, <laughs> I won't touch it. I'll clean it. <laughs> And maybe I'll ask her or something like that. And it's funny too with my dad. It's just like towels need to be folded a certain way. When you walk by a bathroom and you look in, the towel isn't like slumped up on the ground. It's not just thrown over the drying rack. Like it's folded a, a certain way. Um, that's just been like two small, seemingly like not really big or bad issues, but, but just recognizing absolutely right. The boundaries, right. Mm. Of, of saying like, well, 
you know, I, I'm not entirely sure. Like, yeah, I guess I can respect them. It is their house and they want it mm-hmm. done a certain way. And it's like seemingly not a huge deal. So yeah, if I can be a little, take a little bit, be a little bit more intentional about loading the dishwasher. My mom likes it done a certain way or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, something like that. I, I think in all of these things that we've been chatting about, I think language also comes uh, into huge importance. How you choose and what you choose to say uh, is very important in these in big issues or small issues. Yeah, definitely yeah. your tone, um, recognizing when your blood pressure goes up, and 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 maybe that's a good time to just you know go take a walk, uh, watch a show on Netflix, kind of be by yourself, let the pressure uh, dissipate before you go and talk to them. But but yeah, eventually you do have to communicate because yeah, I mean the dishes need to be done and. Right. I think it's almost like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but um, when I go back to my parents' house now, like I haven't lived with them full time since I was sophomore in college. I lived there for two years in college and then I moved out um, into an apartment. So I just stayed in my apartment full year, year round, and then I moved up here. And so when I go back and visit them, it does feel like a visit. It feels Mm -hmm. like I'm a guest. And I think that that's, it's kind of sad on one hand. You're like, oh man, this isn't my, my home anymore. But it's almost, it might almost be helpful to think about like, I'm a guest here. And so like for those things that you were talking about, Chet, like, yeah, like I can deal, I can, I can do that. Like this is the way that they run their home. Unless it's like, you know, a really huge deal, in which case that's where the conversation comes in. But um but yeah, like, I don't know if that, that works for everyone, but. That's a great way to think about it. You're an extended stay guest. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. also it almost makes it easier for you to be like, to put boundaries into place. Uh-huh. Be like, hey, I do like, I'm a guest, like I'm going to go in my room and do like, just be by myself for now or something like that versus like, um, all the, I don't know, whatever habits you had living there full time. Right. Oh, that's brilliant, Serena. Absolutely. It works both ways, doesn't it? Like I am a guest, therefore I can do things the way they want it to be done. And to a certain extent, I'm a guest also, therefore I want some me time and I don't Mm -hmm. need to feel guilty about missing family movie night. If we watch a movie every night, and I don't want to go read and be by myself, <laughs> you know, I yeah. guests have that privilege. Right, right. Yeah, that's so good. These are some great uh, practical things. And uh, obviously, any of this stuff, uh, for you students listening, we want to be able to continue these conversations on a more uh, practical and personal uh, way and kind of apply it to your situation. So please reach out to us. But um one situation in which you're not a guest is when you're a roommate and you, you, you pay your portion in rent. And I know some of you students are in that situation now in Boston and uh, you're living with these roommates and you're kind of stuck uh, together. You're, uh, you can't you know, get out as much. You're, you're not going to class or work every day maybe. And so there are a lot of challenges with that. And so let's, let's now kind of shift into um, what does it look like and what are some practical ways you can make those relationships work? I think what this broad category uh, falls under is that of a neighbor and, you know, neighbor and scripture. 
um, really refers to to any other human being, but particularly um, in this instance, we're kind of thinking non-blood related, right? Um, and your neighbor may be in your room, you know, just across the room from you, maybe now as you're listening, or they may be in a room down the hall. Um, but it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, this is regardless if they're a Christian, if they follow Jesus, um, if they're annoying, if they're smelly, it says love, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and it says there's no greater commandment other than these. So it's the second greatest commandment. The first is love the Lord your God. So what are some challenges? Let's first talk about some challenges of living with roommates. What are some challenges you guys know of? I I mean, I so I lived it when this whole thing started, I was in Boston with my one roommate, housemate for a week. Um, and I think we were both just there all the time, you know, <laughs> except for a daily walk. And um, I think one challenge for me is I am used to, I mean, I'm used to having my own schedule, my own time. And I think we were both just kind of used to when we weren't doing anything, we were just in our rooms. And there's just not, our relationship is just a little bit different than some of you guys may have had with your, with your roommates. And so I think just like retreating is a, is a temptation, um, especially uh, as you may be feeling um, fearful of the future or just concerned about things that going on in the world. Um, but I, I guess when you're not retreating, <laughs> when you are with each other, some challenges of like, wow, I've never spent this much time with this person. Like we usually don't spend this much time together. Um, and so there could be challenges with like just cleanliness and shows that you like to watch and um, how loud you like the TV. Like there can be just like a lot of different things that you've never really noticed because you'd always kind of been like passing, you know, going to class, going to work, going to sleep. Um, I don't know what right. what other right you're spending like way more time than ever you're using the bathroom way more probably like you know, three four times I don't know what it is and <laughs> you're using the kitchen for every single meal you know this is like it's gonna a lot more use and you're seeing a lot more of this other person yeah gosh I mean I know some of you guys have been to my house up in Boston um but I and living with five guys in a house um, oh, just yeah. on a normal basis can get extremely messy. And I know, I know for sure, I do not speak only for myself here where uh, I just I cannot stand a kitchen sink that is full of dirty dishes. It makes <laughs> rinse it off and put it in the dishwasher. Right. And yet I know like, even now I get text messages cause I'm still, even though I'm down here in Philadelphia, I still, I'm still in the uh, house chat and every other day they're, they're saying like, guys, do your dishes, do your dishes. And it just like <laughs> drives me crazy. I'm rejoicing. I'm not there right now. I know <laughs> right, I'd be doing right. the dishes all the time. At the same time though, I could care, I could care less about yard work. It just, I, I, I barely notice it. Well, I, I appreciate it when it's done well. And I don't notice it when it's not done well. And yet one of my housemates, uh, it, that is his pet peeve. It is his dirty dishes. Uh -huh. uh, 
and he can't understand why I don't really care if leaves are still out there or there are sticks everywhere. You know, I, I think one thing that's worked really well with our house is everyone having their own little things that really ticks them off, you know? So it's like, because I really enjoy a clean kitchen, that's sort of become my chore. And for one of my other housemates, he loves the outdoors and like gardening and things like that. So like, that's become his thing. Take care of the lawn. The other, another guy, um, he cannot stand uh, dirty bathrooms. You know, great. Yeah. You're, you're going to clean the bathrooms then. You know, everyone has sort of- Easy division of labor there. Yeah, right. that worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, one like rule of thumb, I, I, uh, most, of the, most of my life, I'd always been with roommates that were way dirtier than me. Like I was the cleanly one. So, you know, it was easy to get- self-righteous about that and think I was always going to be but then I went to seminary and my two roommates were way cleaner than I was and all of a sudden I was like whoa I'm the you know <laughs> the guy who's is so dirty um and and I, I think that's one thing to consider like you know look at how the other person you know keeps their space neat and say like okay well how is my space relative to theirs like in order to love them Maybe I can keep my space a little bit more neat than I would normally be comfortable with in order to kind of show respect for them, you know? Um, you may not, if you were living alone, you may keep the dishes uh, in the sink for a week before you put them in the dishwasher. But in order to love and do that sacrificially to another person, you might want to think about changing your own habits in order to make life better for the other person what a grand metaphor we have going on here you know i mean i just wish there was like some overarching person that would come in and make all of our houses just perfect and sanctify our houses too right right <laughs> exactly I um, think, yeah go ahead serena um i think too like sometimes part of loving our neighbor even though it's uncomfortable for me especially is to tell them when something does bother you mm. It's a lot easier to not do that when you're not seeing them very much. Um, but like if they, like if, I don't know, like when you're around them all the time, if your heart is growing in bitterness towards them because you have not brought up something that bothers you and they don't know, like on one level, that's not their fault. Because it's on you. Right. Right. <laughs> Communication mm -hmm. is key. Um, and, and so I feel like, yeah, just having those those conversations, maybe even like daily check-ins about just how you're doing is could be really helpful when, when there is a problem. Right. Yeah, kind of preemptive as opposed to reactive. Right. Um, or passive aggressive, maybe. Yeah, like the, the sticky note um, in a random place uh, without any signature, so you're not sure who it's from, but <laughs> that's usually not good. You should probably talk to the person face to face and um, avoid the angry email. Um, but yeah, that intentionality and regular check-in can preempt some of those conflicts, right? Chad, I think you were saying like you had some sort of like monthly thing going on with the guys in your house. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So off of Serena's point about communication is key. Uh, in our house, we, we developed just this... Um, I don't know, 
it just kind of, it, it started off with the need and then it became a good habit of once a month, maybe it's every three weeks or so, we just get together as a house. We make a huge dinner. We, we feast, everyone cooks their own little thing. And uh, we just chat on how things are going. You know, it, get, it provides the platform of mm. everyone in the house being together, which throughout the normal week is, can sometimes be rare, right? With six guys living in a house, people's got, they have different plans. Everyone's going in and out, work can be late and things like that. Um, so that this provided a platform where all six of us were together. And then it also gave us, gave us the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? So-and-so, like, you know, I've just been noticing that every time you leave the bathroom, like there's... <laughs> Like you don't clean up after your shaved hair or everywhere. Like it's all over the skin. Like, I don't know, something little, but like I noticed it frequently. Can you do something about it? You know, and now it it just like what Serena was talking about. I I think setting ourselves up to communicate well gave us the opportunity so that we could communicate Hmm. well. That's so good. Yeah, I like that. Um, and this brings up kind of our, our next thing is just like, this is, it should be more than just tolerating each other. It should be more than uh, maybe you're, you know, you feel like you're in survival mode. You know, that's natural because there's global pandemic. Uh, but just thinking more broadly, there are a lot of opportunities to, to live with a roommate. Uh, maybe they were a stranger before, maybe they were a friend and you became a roommate with them. But let's talk about just kind of what are some opportunities uh, that can be had from having roommates. Um, yeah, I think that I think that one opportunity, whether I mean, a lot of you might not be living with people who are also Christians, and it, even if you are, like, there's an opportunity to grow in your relationship with them. Um, one of the best ways that we are called as Christians to evangelize is through relationships. How, like, what better time to build that friendship than now? Um, and, and who knows, like, they might be going through something that you have no idea about and you're able to be there for them um, if you just start building that relationship and that friendship. And it, it does take work because especially if they aren't thinking that way, they're not going to necessarily be the first one to initiate things. They're not necessarily going to reciprocate, but I mean, isn't that how God loves us? Like with a pursuing, Hmm. never giving up, always and forever love. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So taking that first step, that initiative, just, it might feel a little awkward at first because it's never been done before, but just saying, Hey, do you want to like hang out and watch a movie together or like um, actually eat dinner together this time or, you know, uh, or even little, something little that like you like need help with like hey right. like I wanted to make this recipe but I I'm really bad at like whatever like do you mind helping me out with it mm-hmm. um or like I wanted to do a movie marathon for Lord of the Rings or the Hunger Games like let's do it um yeah. I just I just watched the Hunger Games all the movies with my current housemates so that's what I thought of that but right right I know um some people who have done theme nights uh, during this uh, pandemic. They've uh, just tried to like break down the mundanity and how like Groundhog Day, it's like every day is the same. (laughs) And so they've done like, you know, um, like Mexican night, uh, 80s night, uh, you know, just different themes 
and you know you, you might it might be awkward to do it if it's just like one other roommate but if you have like five guys living together it might be actually a lot of fun <laughs> that's actually a great suggestion uh it, it reminds me nathan of the time uh my sister and mother had this idea they were like hey tonight you know what we're gonna do we are gonna get dressed up in our tuxedos and our ball gowns we're going to eat barbecue, which makes absolutely no sense. And then we're going to watch Pride and Prejudice. Nice. <laughs> I did nice. not know what I was getting myself into. Lo and behold, the Pride and Prejudice movie is six hours long. Mm. Oh, yeah. So I fell asleep during that. Uh, I was not still wearing my tuxedo. But it was a small way to, to just change up the day. You know, mm-hmm. I, one, learned that my tuxedo from high school still fits. That's great. <laughs> Two, we got some fun <laughs> photos out of it. Uh, three, we get to pretend like we're English royalty or how prestigious, you know, eating barbecue, American barbecue with our pinkies out <laughs> and things like that. It's a great opportunity just to be silly, you know, yeah. and now I'm thinking uh, when I get back up to Boston, how goofy that would be <laughs> for right. five of my roommates to do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, th- this is so good. I mean, y- you know, it can be tempting, uh, especially if you don't know your roommate that well, just to kind of like lock yourself away and just communicate with friends um, online uh, through your phone or other means. And uh, But yeah, your, your neighbor is the person closest to you, right? And um what an opportunity to have some like, hey, you, you can actually hang out with somebody in real life. You know, like uh, we, we really got to, you know, take advantage of that, uh, those opportunities because uh, they're very rare these days. Um, and there's nothing that replaces it, right? Um, I think we've all realized how much we are embodied souls. We're, we're people who relate to each other um, in the presence of others. So, so don't overlook that. Um, you know, your friends online are awesome and you should stay in touch with them. And I, I've gotten in touch with old friends uh, because of this and it's been great. But I think we should take advantage of these opportunities and really, um, you know, try to be faithful. And even if they don't love us back, uh, to love them uh, and to love them as ourselves, as Jesus tells us to. So, Yeah. So this is good. I think this has been uh, a good conversation just to kind of discuss like what is this time for and maybe it's about relationships. Maybe it has something to do with those that we're stuck with in quarantine. Um, any other closing thoughts or things you guys want to add before we, we wrap up? Well, Nathan, no, I'm just really grateful you've given us the opportunity to, to, uh, digest this a little bit to be a little bit more um, reflective on the situation we find ourselves in. I think oftentimes we can be so focused on, oh my gosh, this is not happening. I am not having my summer plans. I am not going to go to a summer conference or do my summer internship or get to graduate with a gown and robe and things like this. It's so easy to focus on what we've lost during this time. Uh, and to completely lose sight on what we've gained. Mm. And, and that's just so important. And it's important to recognize and to think about that we have gained this incredible opportunity to, to build and, and perhaps reconcile 
these relationships with people that we're spending very long hours of the day with now. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think I have any more thoughts, but I think it's been really helpful for me personally to have this conversation and looking forward to, yeah, having one-on-one -on -one or personal conversations with students if they're interested in, if you guys are interested in talking about your particular situation, but yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're definitely here for you guys and want you to uh, just feel free to reach out. Uh, know that we're praying for you. And um, I know Christ is interceding for us on our behalf and he is making us holy, um, whether we're in quarantine, whether we're out of it. And so let's pay attention to what he's doing in our lives and uh, especially in our relationships. So well, this has been good. I look forward to our next conversation. Our next um, topic, we'll be posting up a poll maybe again here soon. But um, yeah, take care. We'll see you guys soon, hopefully. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.